When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome into the DMBR Draft Pod. My name is Jake Schwanitz, joined here with Henry Chisholm and Andre Simone. Justin is busy this week. We will get him back next week. Uh, busy show today, guys. A lot of stuff to cover. Dre, you missed last week. Uh, first, we're going to want to get your ta- uh, your quarterback points from last week that we missed, and then we're going to talk uh, DJ Mock Draft 2.0. Um, a little bit of Herbert Kayvon Thibodeau theory Stuff, and then we are going to get into this year's tackle class. A lot of stuff to get to, so let's get into it. Dre, your thoughts on the quarterbacks? Yes, so excited. Presented by DraftKings, right, Henry? I got that right? Yep. Nailed it, as always. Um, where maybe these odds for today's class will be a guide. Loved the pod last week. Actually listened to the whole thing, which I didn't expect. But two sessions, we got it done um holy cow you guys had some spicy takes and i think um i I think we diverge on a lot and definitely the senior bowl weighs heavy in my mind um i most of all agree on your guys corral takes i think you were spot on with some of the comps um i think the johnny manziel comp is intriguing but i actually think johnny manziel's um Ability to throw on the run, off-platform, athleticism, and especially arm strength all ticked up higher, which is kind of the problem with Corral. I think maybe it was Hank who really kind of framed how Corral is best. Um, and, man, I, I Malik Willis is such a tough eval, but he's my top guy. I think the intermediate, intermediate to – short medium stats are a little deceiving because so much of what he had to do was off script um and off script you're really just like you're either surviving another day or you're bombing it um and he's mostly dipping out and i think there's some real conversations about like how special does his athleticism running ability tick up how special is the arm what i have become convinced of though while i still think those are high-end, probably not special tools of his, is, um, man, his escapability, his 
off-platform stuff. He's not just making off-platform throws. He's got that baseball ability of making a sidearm throw while like halfway, like falling to the ground, you know, and can really zing it. Mahomesy style. Um, and and zing it deep off platform. He's so inconsistent that as I was telling Hank, I've really changed in how I look at quarterbacks from any other position. It's not so much we'll have so many conversations on these offensive tackles of really um you know it's a it's a cost value analysis of like what's the ceiling what's the floor what's the more likely outcome which is always going to be somewhere in the middle of that and kind of trying to do that um cost analysis with quarterbacks because of something henry came back to over and over and the tough spot you are in if you find a good starting nfl quarterback who still justifies your pick anywhere in the top whatever but then you have to pay him 30 to 40 million a year i would rather swing for the fences than have that high-end but not quite franchise quarterback um so it's really changed how i look at it because of that i'm really leaning towards the higher upside guys like malik one howell two and again i see those guys as similar Strong picket, I see as very similar. I give strong the edge because of the arm strength. Um, I think you guys are really spot on on a lot of stuff about picket. It's just when nothing ticks up. Um, and look, guys like Cousins, guys like Brady have shown us that arm strength can be a, a trait that ticks up. I'm just not really convinced. I get such bad Teddy Bridgewater vibes, who I freaking loved. Um, and man, I Desmond Ritter's after them because I have such a bad taste in my mouth from the senior bowl, from the Alabama game, from not being able to anticipate. Um, and you guys really put it nicely that what he does best is throw high, let guys high, high ball it. And it reminds me of Dak. There are some things that remind me of Dak where it's like, Hey, he doesn't tick special, but he ticks off a lot of boxes. Um, so look, all these guys are going to be a second round grade for me. And, um, so even though there's those differences, they're all going to fall in the same tier, same grade. Right. Very intriguing class. Um, I don't think there's really any consensus opinion when it comes to these guys. Um, let's get into the mock. Hank, what's up? What are, you, what are your thoughts on this DJ mock? Um, let me pull that up real quick. <laughs> <laughs> I was listening to Dre talk about the quarterbacks. Um, it's all good. Uh, for starters, it's kind of chalk at the top still. Evan Neal, Aiden Hutchinson, one, two. Kyle Hamilton at three. Uh, Ikwanu at four. Trevon Walker at five. And then we'll get to this Dude. after we kind of – what's Trevon up? Trevon Walker at five. Like, already <laughs> the mock is, like, off and yeah. running. That was well crazy. Let's go to six where there's Trevor Penning, offensive tackle out of Northern Iowa. Um, yeah. it's, it's crazy. We'll get to the Broncos pick of Jermaine Johnson, too. Um, let's go around the table, though. Most or biggest takeaway, I guess, from this new mock from DJ. Man, it's how much this class is going to fluctuate. Um, I get, I got really strong 2013 flashbacks, a class yeah. we talk about a lot. Um, like, but the top pick was an way. offensive tackle, not in a good way. Um, in Eric Fisher, now Evan Neal's jumped to like plus 150 to be the top pick. 
Um, the top 10 was dominated by offensive tackles. Uh, you know, the rise of Trayvon Walker, who has some D on Jordan to him. Like uh, you can dream on the guy because he does everything well. But it's like, if you just ranked pure ability to get off the edge and get after the quarterback, is he top six in this class at that? Is he top eight? Hank's shaking his head. I don't, again, like this is not fair because I literally like an hour ago was watching Evan Neal versus Trayvon Walker. And that's not like the situation where you, you're going to come away and saying good things about Trayvon Walker, <laughs> but watching that and then seeing him at number five, it's just like, what, what the hell are we doing here? Right. Like when you don't have the six best pass rush trait in the class and you're selected fifth overall, I, I mean, I'm not a mathematician, but that math doesn't line up to me. So that definitely stands out. I will take a victory lap for all of us on Drake London top 10. Yeah. Yep. Especially to the Giants, because like he's the exact guy, Saquon, Tooney, Evan Ingram, and I guess Daniel Jones all kind of need to like fill out that offense. And final note, and I swear I will let you guys talk for more than 20 seconds. I'm just <laughs> hyped and missed you guys earlier this week. If the Broncos select an edge rusher when Kayvon Thibodeau goes the very pick before, <laughs> I'm out. I'm just done. Okay. Please respect <laughs> my choice and give me my space. How the hell is Kayvon Thibodeau at number eight? Like, I think we're we, going to get it. We might as well we, get it. We have plenty to talk about with Kayvon Thibodeau later, but my goodness, like, are we, did we just stop watching the, what happened last year and the year before? The man is an animal. Like, is he number one or is Aiden Hutchins? Like, that's a conversation. Number eight, though, like, what, what are we doing? Well, especially this when this you, is not a good mock. It, it's interesting. We'll say that um, a lot of interesting things. The corners I thought were pretty interesting too. Sauce Gardner at 10, uh, Trent McDuffie at 12, and then Derek Stingley at 14. Um, and then uh, the other guy, Gordon, I think is up here too. Uh, yeah. Kyler Gordon at pick 23. So just it's crazy. Devin Lloyd at 21. Uh, what is guys, what is happening? Lots of general not being too hyped about Devin Lloyd lately, I'm noticing, um, which makes me sad. I hope that turns around. Um, yeah, I mean, geez, 10 through, 9 through, where's the madness stop? Let's say 16 are pretty intriguing. Like Devontae Wyatt, the guy who I've often said was, you know, the better interior pass rusher of the two Georgia defensive tackles, look good at the senior bowl wasn't otherworldly to me he's consistently getting mocked in the top 20 as the top defensive tackle in the class i mean you mentioned stingley cornerback three Kenyon green 11th overall ahead of any of these quarterbacks um and it's not just the first quarterback selected at 18 it's quarterback needy teams like the Eagles taking Devontae Wyatt over a quarterback, like the Vikings taking Trent McDuffie over a quarterback, like the Commanders taking Kenyon Green over a quarterback, or the Broncos taking Jermaine Johnson, guys who 
we were more likely to talk about as options for the Broncos early in the second round, more so than, um, you know, oh, is it Malik Willis or Kenny Pickett versus these dudes? So stuff's changing quickly, though. I mean, DJ's not doing this for funsies. Um, and then, I mean, mega surprises like Boy, Boye Mafe, the yeah. Minnesota edge rusher, Tyler Smith, who I'm sure we'll get into, the redshirt sophomore out of Tulsa, the left tackle. Um, man, it's all over the place. For sure. I'll give it like Trent McDuffie at number 12. Like he's a really good slot corner, like little buzzy guy, kind of like uh, like an Asante Samuel or like a, uh, who's the Bucks one? Antoine Winfield, who plays a lot of safety, but can go down there sometimes too. But it, the, Byron Murphy. Yeah, but, but I mean, she's these little quick guys where it's like, okay, yeah, they're good at that. And he says, like, it's the cleanest tape. And it's like, yeah, of course it's the cleanest tape. Like, that's that's just not a very important position. Anybody could go do that. And, and I think he's one where it's like he looks really fast, but then he goes and runs the 40, and you're like, well, his legs aren't that long. So, of course, he ran like a 4-5 or, or something, a 4-4-5 four, four, or something like that. And so I think that, that he's just kind of getting bumped up, whereas who's everybody would take Derek Stingley and the chance that he – pans out over that i think that there's just some stuff like that and on the quarterbacks like i think 18 for the first quarterbacks too late but it's kind of like what we've been saying all along though right is you probably see one go like 11 12 you see another maybe top 20 maybe a couple more sneak in the back end and you wind up with those four and that's changed a little bit since the senior bowl people have gotten higher on him but i don't know i mean it's, it's just tough to commit. And it kind of goes back to what Dre was saying earlier, where it's like you, you want to go after the guy who, who's the shot, a chance to actually be a really good quarterback. But in this class, it's like, well, the odds of those guys, this, it's not a great group of those guys, I feel like. Yeah. Uh, if this is about buzz and stuff, um, it, I mean, I, I presume, right, like that's how you see a gajillion different names in the top 20 in the first round, it is not lined up with the buzz immediately in Mobile, which was becoming at least one quarterback will go before the Broncos pick at nine. I feel like we kind of talked about this like a week or two ago, but it's kind of like, I feel like there's always, the senior bowl matters, of course, but right after the senior bowl, it gets weighted really heavily. And then it kind of like falls into this complete picture thing. So I do think that it's like, Oh, this guy tore it up. And so for a couple of weeks, people are in love with him. And then it's like, okay, but now there's, there's this leveling out process, you know? Yeah. Um, it's, it's just cyclical, isn't it? This draft yeah. cycle, it's, it's vicious. Um, also real quick uh, again, we're seeing the Pittsburgh Steelers here taking Malik Willis uh, they just don't like keeping secrets, I guess, on their first round picks. Uh, just something to uh, kind of keep uh, in mind moving forward. Your thoughts real quickly on Jermaine Johnson. Um, if he's a Bronco at nine, what, what's the scene here? Uh, traits that you like, right? Like he did some good things at the same time. Like when you have Sauce Gardner going right after, when you have like Carl Aftis is still there, Ojabo's still there, and you're taking the guy who's what, a redshirt senior, so one of the older players in that class, it feels like maybe you're going potentially kind of a safe route. And, and I'm not sure in the top 10 that you want to be passing up on some of the guys, you know, like, like a Derek Stingley, where it's like, well, did you just find another true number one Pro Bowl, all pro type of cornerback? And, and that would kind of be my, 
I'd be upset. But at the same time, like good football player. I, I don't big Bradley Chubb vibes. I wouldn't riot. Yeah, he's he's really long. Uh, he's a guy from Georgia too. He was a Georgia transfer, yep. so. Uh, you know, you kind of wonder maybe if, you know, he has the advantage of seeing into the future. He sees the Adam Anderson situation. Does he stay at Georgia? Does he no kidding. still leave to go to Florida State? Uh, any thoughts on Jermaine real quick before we move on, Andre? Yeah, very Bradley Chubb-esque. Uh, checks off a lot of boxes. Mostly he's going to be a power rusher, length and strength, uh, speed to power converter, that kind of guy. Growing on me a lot, though, I will admit, um, especially in even tap. Um, studying these offensive tackles. He's a guy who knows how to get by you. That um, pass rush arsenal has come along. I probably like him more hand in the ground than standing up. And, um, yeah, I agree. I, if if I'm choosing between power rushers, though, in this class, I would prefer Karlaftis. If I'm choosing between pure edges, I would prefer Ojogbo because I think his bendiness – and uh, first step are at, at a higher end. And I think there's more upside, more, um, more development to be had. And I think he also complements Bradley Chubb better, right? Opposite Chubb, he would be, he would be a better fit. While I think maybe Karlaftis and Johnson um, overlap a little bit. And I might as well say it because uh, Justin isn't here, but to do that, especially ahead of Devin Lloyd, would be quite disappointing because you do have this advantage with a linebacker like Lloyd with um, completely blanking old man style on the inside linebacker from Ohio State who's got some edge rush ability um, that they drafted last year. Oh, Baron Browning? Yeah, mm-hmm. Baron Browning. I think a Lloyd-Baron Browning combo where you can kind of you know mix and match, move guys around would be really intriguing. I mean – we are talking about Walker's pass rush trait. I will keep saying, I think Lloyd has a top three speed rush trait in this class um, and is not that far off the top two who are probably Kayvon Thibodeau and Ojogbo. So um, that would be extremely disappointing. But I think what I take most from this mock is if, again, we are to, to kind of read into what DJ's hearing it's a very fluid class and it's a class with very few blue chippers. It's a class where the second round talents begin about at the end of the top 10. Yeah. It's a uh, very interesting stuff. We're very early in the process. It's only yeah. going to get more interesting. Uh, moving on. I also, thought I found this. Jermaine ahead, Johnson yeah. is already 23. It was really hard okay. to find that, but he is already 23. So an older guy. Yeah. Um, at nine, man, I don't know. That's it's interesting. Uh, let's hope we I don't know. have to see this scenario in real life. Um, moving on. I found this post on the NFL draft subreddit um, that I thought was very interesting. It's from the user handcuff uh, title. Is there a strong parallels between Kayvon Thibodeau and Justin Herbert? Um, and I'm not going to read the whole thing, but just to kind of bullet point it. Um, he has it broken down nicely. If you want to go find it and read the whole thing, it's worth a read. He said both Thibodeau and Herbert were extremely hyped prospects earlier in the career. Uh, KT, obviously the number one prospect. Herbert was kind of a phenom quarterback coming into college. Um, And then both Thibodeau and Herbert are both incredibly athletic and show the traits that NFL scouts desire. Duh. For both players, a late blooming prospect really steals the draft hype after an incredible senior year. 
Uh, he uses Joe Burrow and Aiden Hutchinson as those comparisons there. During mock draft season, both players seemingly dropped a tier from where they had usually been regarded. We already kind of got to that. And then uh, both Thibodeau and Herbert faced similar criticisms as prospects. You know, going back to Herbert, you heard about how was he an actual leader? You know, he's an introvert, all this kind of uh, draft nonsense, some stuff that we heard about Justin Fields last year. Thibodeau's kind of getting the same thing. Uh, you've got the quote unquote off field concerns when nothing can necessarily be named uh, on that topic. Doesn't play hard, not a leader. Um, just interesting stuff that two kind of consensus number one prospects and both guys from Oregon actually are getting this treatment. Who wants to start? I can. Um, Penny Sewell a little bit too, right, Hank? Yeah, for sure. Penny Sewell fits in there too. I, I mean, I don't know. I think that if we just say like, ah, the Oregon guys always get disrespected, then that it's, it's kind of like lazy in a lot of ways. But at the same time, like you do see those same similarities. And as I was saying before, like Kayvon Thibodeau is just a freak. Like you look at him on the football field and he is the biggest man on the field and he's fast and he's strong and he gets around the edge and he puts up good numbers. And he had like a couple little nagging injury things, but it's football. And a lot of times like that happens. That's just a thing that happens in the sport. I think that part of it, part of it isn't even just like an Oregon thing. It's a, like people get bored of following the same prospects for a year and a half. And at some point they just dip. And I think we'll talk about the combine next week before it happens, but Kayvon Thibodeau in the combine, I think he's going to put up monster numbers. Like he is just one of those freakish guys. And I got to not spend time with him, but just follow him around a little bit at Pac-12 media day, just freaking massive. Like he, he, to me is just like a lock to be a pro bowl guy in the NFL because he just has all those traits. Like he should be able to push around just about anybody. And I, I think that that part gets lost in the same way. You look at Justin Herbert. I saw him at a Pac-12 media day too. And he's another guy. You just look at me like that is a really big, strong man. Like that is an NFL athlete right there. And I think that maybe that's the part that, that you lose because you say, yeah, well, they are playing against Washington state and, and not going up against like Georgia. It's different looking big against Sean Ryan than it is against, Evan Neal, who are two tackles who are going to get drafted. But it's, I don't know. I think that that's a lot of it. I think there's just boredom. I think that there's, I mean, call it pactual bias if you want, but they're not wrong. They are going up against smaller guys. I, Kayvon Thibodeau is one of the Dre? best players in this draft. Dre? Yeah, all from the crystal ball. Um, from crystal ball, too. So you wonder what's going on. Um, there and I mean you know Herbert definitely let you down as far as the winning the big games and uh it's such a great it's exactly what I mean when I say um you know we're not judges at the Olympics uh grading figure skating or uh snowboarding tricks here it's not it's not about style points it's not about wins it's not about what you did in college, it's about those tools that'll allow you to succeed in the pros. And that's where I think these evals are getting a little lost. And that's kind of what I think um, Henry's saying. And also, I mean, it's like the, the super duper highest end guys, not just in football, in all sports, rarely are coming from the blue blood tippy top programs 
They're usually late bloomers who kind of had to find their way around. Think Hakeem Olajuwon, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Josh Allen. Um, you know, Taron Armstead was the best left tackle in the NFL for a long time. That's a dude, high ass upside, second round, you know, Mahomes. Um, they're not necessarily coming from those super tippy top polished situations. Um, so I don't know. It's an interesting one to bring up. It'll be really, and I mean, that's the thing. That's where this class now you, you start to doubt those blue chippers. Now we really don't know what we're doing, you know, and the KT versus Aiden Hutchinson thing is really interesting. And I think is something you could talk about with Howell, V Pickett in the same conference as well. And it happens so often in the draft of if you just line up Hutchinson's best tape last year versus KT's best tape two years ago, it's a really close conversation. We are not getting into this BS, but because the lesser season for KT happened most recently, that's what's on people's minds. And Hutchinson's amazing seasons. What's on people's minds when look, Last year, he was very disappointing. And I speak as someone who had him ranked as a top 10 prospect coming into that year and then had to scrap that. Um, and, you know, you can Howell pick it. Same thing, you know, same conference. Howell was the star in the ACC a year ago. Now Pickett was, you know, so just line those tapes up at their best. Who's the best? And what are the circumstances that will allow these guys to re- recreate their best? You know, that's what really matters. It's, it's just interesting because, I mean, we've really seen Thibodeau's stock really fall and for no reason of anything that I can find, no real substance to it. Because, I mean, you go back to DJ Mock we just talked about. Hutchinson's at two, but for some reason we got Thibodeau falling all the way down to the Falcons and DJ doesn't even put a reason. It's just because he hasn't fallen. Um, it is kind of a little... You know, uh, in the comments of this post, it's, you know, they mentioned Ed Oliver and Rashawn Gary, also uh, some other guys along the defensive line who kind of had some questions they had to face that were, you could say, unfair. Um, I'd say some of them were valid in those guys' cases. Um, but, you know, injuries are a part of the game, man. Like you said, uh, Hutchinson had to deal with it last year. He could have been a really good prospect coming out last year, obviously came back and improved his stock. But it's just part of the game. These injuries happen. And just because, you know, Thibodeau really struggled with that ankle um, for all year it was, right? I mean, I don't think you could really say he was healthy, um, you know, from September on. So it's just, I don't know. I just thought this was super interesting because they are both Oregon guys. Maybe that's the thing, though. Maybe it is Oregon. Maybe they just don't actually have uh, the right people in place to kind of promote their top guys. And they just get picked apart in the process. Maybe it is West Coast bias. I don't know. I think part of it is like Oregon nationally is seen as like, oh, that's the good team in the in the Pac-12. You know, that's that's the Bama of the Pac-12 where, you know, they're not going to face a whole bunch of good competition. Like everybody next to Kayvon is going to be the best players in the conference as well. And and some of that can kind of be misplaced. And again, when we're talking about a bad season, he had seven sacks in 10 games. And he did that yeah. while being the most hyped defensive player in the country. And, and so the, the defense well is hurt. paying attention to him. Everybody knows who Kayvon Thibodeau is in the college football world coming into the season, and he's maybe the only defender who could claim that. And so the fact that he still got seven sacks, yeah, he didn't put up 15 like a lot of us thought was possible. But if he did, then we'd be talking about him as a, you know, 
Chase Young type of prospect, Miles Garrett type of prospect. And guess what? He didn't do that, but he still had a really solid season despite injuries, despite not having all that much help around him and getting those double teams and all that sort of stuff. Like it's don't overthink this one. Just right. look at these players. And he is very clearly one of the ones that you want on your side. And just a reminder, last time he was fully healthy, absolutely dominated Elijah Vera Tucker, the <laughs> top 15 yeah. pick in what now sounds like was maybe the greatest draft ever, right? Compared to, this shitty draft that we're talking about last year. Oh my God, nothing but Hall of Famers in the top 15. Well, Elijah Vera Tucker was drafted in the top 15, got punked, his lunch money stolen by Kayvon Thibodeau. Go watch that tape, be an adult, and then tell me, then tell me if he's not a top three prospect in this class. And he single handedly won the Pac 12 championship against the number five team in the country, like Von Miller style. Like there was just nothing that was happening in that game. He was the only thing that mattered in that game. And when you see that from a defensive player, just so rare. Again, Aiden Hutchinson does those same things. And so he's right up there too. But outside of those two, like, I I don't know. We'll talk about Evan Neal in a second, but I I do think that those two should be the top two picks. And like, Jake, don't, doesn't Derek Stingley feel more like Ed Oliver, Rashawn Gary? Right. Dude, his, we just talked about his production on a bad ankle, still playing. Like, he could have totally shut it down. Guys made mm-hmm. guys normalized shutting it down last year with COVID. KT gets injured early in the season, totally could have shut it down. Mm-hmm. Oregon was awful, not up to expectations at all. And shit, Cristobal left him at the end of the year anyways. You could have looked back now and been like, couldn't care less. Instead, he stays, plays, still produces, it's an interesting proposition. What if he does opt out after the ankle injury in September? I mean, I it's tough to say, but honestly, I don't think we're having these types of conversations because I think his stock just kind of gets frozen at that point in time. And it's just, I don't, if Micah Parsons can do, can go through all that kind of stuff and all the questions he had, you know, where's he going to play, blah, blah, blah. And he still goes uh, near top 10, fringe top 10. I can't remember exactly where. Um, of course, we're talking one overall, the top 10 here. It's pretty different, but still, it's it's just weird to see this. We'll get into a lot more KT stuff moving forward. Do we want to take a break and then get into tackles? Yeah, we do want to take a break and then get into tackles. Um, first of all, DraftKings Sportsbook, they've got an awesome promotion going right now. Uh, the way it works is you bet $1 on any NFL team to win their game, or sorry, NBA team, and you'll get $150 in free bets. Uh, otherwise you'd have to be betting like months and months and months in advance. Definitely NBA. Uh, they also have all sorts of things for existing customers. Uh, whether you like the same game parlays, they offer a bunch of profit boosts. They have all sorts of those different options. And, uh, we really appreciate best. that. It's yeah. really easy to, to make money with DraftKings Sportsbook. And so that makes it a lot of fun. Um, you should download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code DMVR. Bet just $1 on any NBA team. You'll get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code DMVR at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Incredible, Henry. Great, great work by you. I will say... Just picking off a of, piggybacking off of that, and I feel bad for you. 
if you uh, fast forwarded this read, because this is where you get the, the meaty insights. Ooh. Evan Neal plus 120 to be the first overall pick on DraftKings. This episode specifically breaking down the offensive tackles is going to give you the best insights on how to play the odds at that first overall pick where most likely we would think the Jacksonville Jaguars would go with an offensive tackle. Why would they go with an offensive tackle? Because last year they were so poor. People wondered what's going on with urban Meyer. Is he drunk? What is happening? Potentially he was on the world's greatest hard Celsius, Henry. Am I right? Ranch rider, my man. We are all ranch riding up in this piece Mm -hmm. that their stuff is phenomenal. It's crispy. It's delightful. It's tasty. It's uh, it's healthy, Hank. Am I right? It's healthy too, which is the incredible thing right here. Well, well, I mean, <laughs> I'm not saying healthy for the know. soul. Yeah, yeah, healthy for the soul. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, they're ranch rider, and uh, they really do great stuff, and uh, some delicious stuff as well. I can't find more substantial details right now, Henry. So if you've got a code, a website, anything like that, I I would pass the ball to you. Okay. Well, I will catch that ball and say that you can pick up your own Ranch Rider by visiting ranchriderspirits.com. You'll find a location near you. There you go. There you go. I'll pass the ball back to Jake. (laughs) Job done, boys. Job done. All right. Um, A tackle class. This was fun. Um, There's a lot guys i watched about 12 dudes um some intriguing day two guys of course uh but the top of the class let's start there who is your number one dre i liked how you guys did the last episode starting from three you want to do that again yeah okay three two one and then start at three then uh, you got the rest um you guys gotta help me with all these names but (laughs) ikim is my third um, offensive tackle. Lots, some people's top overall offensive tackle. He's actually seven to one to be the first overall pick on DraftKings. Um, so much to love. First round grade, as high a floor as anyone. Um, it, like as twitched up and explosive an offensive lineman prospect as you will find Um, his concern is merely length and it's height like with any other um, prospect. And we talk about this all the time. We're merely talking about extra margins of error and that lack of height and length does take away some of his margin of error. Um, Especially with more twitched up guys being able to keep them off his chest buying him that extra space and time, then you especially see it in him handling counter moves. Um, But I think he can definitely stick at tackle. I think he is extremely intriguing and scheme versatile because of how twitched up he is. He can move sideline to sideline and he, you want him in space. You want to get him downhill. You want him to just like annihilate second and third level defenders and really make them feel you. Um, And as a guard, his floor is so high because as a guard, he's a tone-setting ass kicker. Um, He's not a guy who's going to get you excited, but he is as safe a pick as there is in this draft. 
Yeah, I, I think so. He's number three for me too. First of all, um, and I, I like that you brought up like the twitch and all that stuff. I I agree with like getting him out in space. I think that there might be there might be a couple of guys in this class I like better getting out in front of of like the 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 running back, whoever you're throwing the screen to, any of that sort of stuff. But once he gets out there, I think he probably is the best in the class. Like he's just so mean. Like he's he he hits so hard. He puts guys on the ground constantly. And I yeah. do think that there's still plenty to clean up at this point you know yep. there's stuff like he'll whiff on blocks like there's a couple cut blocks where he just doesn't even touch anybody and you're just like hmm this <laughs> this that doesn't look great but I do think that a lot of that obviously you can just coach up he's, he's a young guy still and on top of that I again I like to make my list Broncos specific they they did a lot of zone blocking there and he was really 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 good at that the ability to like like when you're good, it feels like you can just push one hand on one guy and knock him over to the other guy. And then all of a sudden you're three steps upfield and you're taking on a linebacker. And there's a lot of that sort of stuff with him where you're just like, I, I like the idea of Javante Williams running behind him. Um, my question would be if, if he does wind up at the Broncos, do you put him at left tackle and bowls at right? Or is Aquano go to the right? a good question um personally i think i like Iquanu at left tackle i liked him so much there i had him at number one actually um i thought he was my favorite he was my favorite tackle um his hands man i think he has the most powerful punch uh that i saw he's just there's there's being violent as an offensive lineman and like we'll get to trevor penning at some point but when trevor penning blocks he's like he uses more like upper body strength and everything. Whereas Ikonwu is just all hands. It's just so much power in the hands, uh, yeah. noticeable knockback from defenders when he gets his hands on them. The, uh, the Florida state game I thought was really nice. Him and uh, Jermaine Johnson had an awesome yeah. battle, yeah. Uh, both going back and forth, both winning. He, uh, Ikonwu, I think, like you said, he's a natural athlete. And then just so built in the lower body, man, those thighs and that lower body, his ability to anchor, I thought was, it's almost effortless. Um, he kind of just absorbs contact um, and he's very young. I mean, he started as a true freshman in 2019, kind of earned a reputation as one of the best and nastiest offensive linemen moving forward from there, uh, declared eligible this year and Look, I definitely, we'll get into the other guys, but I just think the combination of the nastiness that you have here, the size, the youth, uh, and the fact that he's only 21, 22 years old, the ceiling is just, it's its high. There may be other guys with higher ceilings, but also that floor, man. I think you know exactly what you're getting with him. And in a class like this, where we talked about it, you don't really have necessarily blue chippers. Uh, I think you just more so not want to screw up your top five, top 10 pick. And I think you ensure that with the Conwell. One more note. Uh, Dre brought up the length. I, I had one of my notes that just says, like, he, he, he bails himself out with just how much pop there is in his hands. Like, he'll, yes. be, he'll be out of position. It's yes. just like, bang. And it's like, oh, well, it, it works out. And so I almost wonder if we're, we're talking about this margin for error, and he does come up just a little bit short in terms of the arm length, maybe, maybe that pop continues. And it – he, he he's just a really big strong guy who can beat people up. Like part of me thinks he should just be like a heavyweight boxer or something. And when you can, when you have those sorts of traits, I agree. Like he's, he's a good pick. I do. I, I do still have a number three though. I love what, um, what Jake said about his hands, 
it's teach tape, like what it means to have pop in your hands. Um, and, you know, we'll talk about guys like Penning and Neil who can just get on top of defenders with such ease. Ikwanu uproots his defenders. Um, he just takes his your base out of you because he is so much stronger in his lower half. Um, and yeah, I, I, I totally understand um, him being the top guy because when you get into athletic traits and technique, there's nothing he's not going to be able to do. I talked about the scheme versatility, but you know, that twitched upness, those hands, I mean, those allow you to, he's really good handling power. I actually think this is a great class handling power, honestly, a lot mm-hmm. of these dudes and it's because it's a bigger class. We finally have some, a big offensive tackle class, which gets me hyped, but then, you know, he's so twitched up um, and aggressive. He's going to really handle those smaller guys as well. Um, and then, you know, as a run blocker, he's probably the best in the class. Like he's mm-hmm. again, he's, it's just easy push. It's just set and forget. Mm-hmm. And, and Henry talked about, you know, that he can be more compact in certain areas. You clean up some stuff. Sky's the limit. Totally. Henry, he was your three, two, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So then my number three, I had Charles cross um, <clears throat> out of Mississippi state. I really, really enjoyed watching his film though. He was so fun to watch. His hands um, in a different way than Iquanu. His just ability to kind of mirror his hands and use his hands in pass yeah. protection. There's a rep in the Ole Miss game. Uh, oh man, I don't have the quarter. It's 11:58 in the tape I watched, but there's this rep in the Ole Miss game where the edge gets his hands on him, and you can kind of see just the, the hand fighting and how intricate it all happens in like a second and a half. But it, there's a lot going on in that second and a half. Cross comes out on top. Uh, I think he handles stunt splitses and like late rushers really well. He's got that football IQ. Um, you know, not we're gonna we're gonna get into a lot of these guys that are just like super physically gifted, and that's not really Charles Cross. He's six five three ten, and he is long, uh, but he's not. The anchor isn't very impressive. You know, he's a finesse tackle, right? I wouldn't use the word power to describe his game. I think in any way, I don't think I saw him pancake one guy um, in the three games I watched. Uh, good battles versus DeMarvin Leal in the Texas A&M game too. Can There's a lot to that can come along in his game, but I think there's plenty to work there. I think of a team like the Bengals, man, that want to go five wide and empty a lot. You get a guy like Charles Cross that can just really pass protect and lock yeah. down uh, one side of the line. That's just what you're looking for. Man, um, I, I honestly, these top three guys, I considered all three as the top offensive tackle. Yeah. Um, Charles is just cross is just what I like in my offensive tackles. I like my offensive tackles smooth. The dude is smooth, like butter. It looks easy. He just steps on the field, handles Alabama's pass rushers. No problem. Handles Marvin Leal. No problem. You're right. Not much of a power element to his game, but does he handle power? Boy, does he ever scheme versatile moves? Well, I think he could tick up in the run game a little bit, you know, as a run blocker, but I like a lot of what there is there. I think the talent's really high end, despite the size being purely average for the position. And, uh, you know, with these guys being fairly closely debated, uh, this is all subject to change in a week because the measurements on these guys is going to be really impressive. Obviously top three dudes, we don't have measurements. I'm sure the guys we get into later 
there's plenty of dudes from uh, Mobile who we do have measurements on. Cross, as crazy as it sounds, because man, I mean, uh, Evan Neal, Andy Kwame Kwan, who have insane upside, kind of feels like the highest upside of this group, right? So clean. Just wild. So yeah. clean, too. He's he's my number one. I, I'm not sure if that's where you were wow. going, too, right? It seems like you're nice. Up, but no, I have my number one. two, but I okay. contemplated it. And yeah. it's. It, We'll get into Evan Neal. We don't need to dig in why he was number one instead of number two right now. But again, it's all the things Dre said. Like you watch him against Alabama and it just shuts down Will Anderson. And there there wasn't a lot. I mean, again, you come out of that offense in Mississippi State where you just don't run the ball that much. And when you do run, like we specifically didn't see many zone runs, which is a little bit disappointing. I think those are probably my biggest questions are just like, what does he look like as a run blocker? But in a left tackle, Give me the guy who can just shut down the opposing pass rushers. You don't have to worry about it and, you know, move bowls over the right tackle. And all of a sudden that right side of the line is, is a super, superstar sort of, of build, at least like you could see it really panning out on paper with all these young guys. If Moody pans, I, I really like Charles cross. I wish that we could have seen him run block more. I wish that so many of the passes that they threw uh, at Mississippi state weren't such quick passes like it felt like there wasn't a lot of times where he was like, okay, go protect for three seconds, go protect for four seconds. Um, but again, he, he handled everything so well. I think he, he drops better than these other tackles. Yeah. I think that yeah. the, the other ones have a tendency to, Oh, we'll talk about when Evan Neal gets there, but, but the way he, he steps back, builds that pocket. Uh, it, it, it really is just so sharp. And I, that's why he's number one for me. Yeah. yeah, thanks for mentioning that. That kick slide from Charles Cross, that's there definitely you. something I wrote down. He is so s- smooth, as Dre said, but he also gets depth just super easily. So Charles, it's yeah. Yeah. Um, three key points on Cross for me. Um, you know, one is if I'm spending a top 10 pick, ninth overall, on an offensive tackle. You, you just need to know most cases when you're investing in a pick like that, you're going to have a losing record, which means most games you're going to hit the fourth quarter. You're going to be down and your quarterback's probably going to end up throwing 35 plus passes for guys like Garrett Bowles coming into the league raw, man, that's a, that's a tough duty. That's a tough way to learn on the job for two, three years while you're trying to figure things out. Charles cross as Henry pointed out. He's got that down. He knows that um, like he, he's been under the pirate easy breezy. He, he can, you can drop back 50 times. He's got that covered. No problem at all. He's, he's been there, done that. Um, what you said about the anchor, I think is interesting, Jake. Um, I see what you mean, but I also think in some ways he, or his, he at least shows really good balance to me, yes. both moving forward and moving backwards. And that includes his, anchor which feels like it's just like natural smooth hips you know it's um not going to get too repetitive here so um yeah i man you there's a lot to like there's a lot yeah just the way i saw i feel like you know if you have someone like a von miller i feel more comfortable with charles cross going against one of those guys those quick dudes that love to use their hands kind of cross over and go um, you know a lot of counters and stuff like that yeah. Cross is going to handle that really well. But, you know, you think of someone like Khalil Mack, I, I get a little bit worried about Charles Cross because 
uh, you know, Max going to get off the line. He's going to win with leverage and he's going to win with power. And I just don't really think that's Cross's game. Right, right. Khalil Mack getting into Charles Cross's chest. Scary proposition, yeah. no doubt. Evan Neal, who wants to start? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> let me, I'll start yeah, this ahead. one. I don't, don't He's your I, one? Oh, maybe. I, I, he is my one. Okay. Um, I, I can get it. I can get it. And I'll just say this. There is rarely have I seen a top offensive tackle prospect have as poor of an anchor as Evan Neal has. Um, there's just that balance in being able to set his hips and settle you in, which is really poor and kind of astounding for someone who's in the 330 to 350 with like strong butt, strong lower, strong leg, strong lower half that you can't just settle in and do that. And I'm like, Evan Neal was actually the guy I had to, I felt like it'd been the longest since I'd gone back to watch his tape of these top guys. So I watched a little more of him recently and I kept being like, holy shit, is his anchor really bad? And then at the end of the Auburn game, he allows like the worst sack. And I was like, dang, I, I was onto something there. Um, That's really the only complaint though. And there is a general kind of balance concern, not always like as smooth and lined up kind of reaching forward, not always able to like get squared up and finish that second level block. Right. He is, he's not even like in space. He's just on a different planet from Iquanu, who's just like a stud. He's like, not really that great, but you know what? He's strong as hell. His feet are smooth as ever. And probably the thing that stands out most is while he cannot always be lined up top half with bottom half footwork, reaching a little balance, those hands get on you. Good fucking luck. You're not going anywhere, baby. Evan Neal has just, I mean, the, the hands in this group are wow. Yeah. Get me yeah. excited. So there you go. That's my one F-bomb for the episode. Um, he just leans on people. He gets on top of them. He doesn't have to lean back and anchor. You see it like three times in, in four games because the entire time he's setting the tone. He's leaning on you. Um, I would not want to play this man for four quarters. Yeah, and I would add, I mean, there was a, there was a clip that was going around of Nick Saban talking at some conference. It wasn't this week, but the clip was circulating this week where he's basically saying like, you know what? I used to think before I went to the NFL that you've got to teach all these guys how to do all these different things. And then there was this cornerback who he couldn't backpedal. So we were just like, you know what? Don't backpedal. We're going to, you just do it this way and let's figure out. I feel like after seeing that and then going through with Evan Neal, like that's the exact thing that happens here where it's like, I don't think Nick Saban is saying, this is how you play offensive tackle perfectly. It's like, Hey, what you're doing works. You just go do it. Like he, it feels like he doesn't even, drop in pass protection he's just right there big at the line and just bang get you and then you just don't go anywhere which is valuable but also and we're talking about the von miller guys can von just get around him because there's there's a big part of me that thinks like evan neal is not like a pocket builder you know and and on top of that he in the running game i expected a lot more from him you know right like six seven three fifty 
Like you'd think he'd be a big bowling ball. Like there'd be big holes wherever he goes. And I just didn't see that. And again, like the good prospect and all that, like the, 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 the traits that he has and the, the, the fact that he was successful and the things that he did, like that's all good. But I do have those questions where it's just like, what, what do you really contribute in the run game? Or are you just big? Um, in terms of getting into space, I agree. Like when I was talking about Iquanu in space, um, I was specifically thinking Evan Neal, I think, does a better job getting into space. And maybe that's teaching that sort of stuff. It's just when he gets there, there isn't, he isn't all that successful. Whereas Iquanu just beats the hell out of guys when he's out there. The other thing I'll add though, is like with, with both of these guys, with Evan Neal and Charles Cross, just crazy young. I mean, Evan Neal turns uh, or turned 21 in September. And so it's like, yeah, you don't have that grown man strength. Guess what? You're playing in the SEC and you're, you were 20 at the start of the season. Charles Cross, like I said, turns, turned 21 in November. And it's the same thing where it's like, is he all that strong? Like, uh, I don't know. But what, where is he going to be two, three years from now? I think both of those guys are going to have all of those things. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, that's the big takeaways. I worry about the speed guys just getting around Evan Neal. Um, I, I, I worry – I don't, I don't worry about him as a run blocker. I just expected him to be like a super plus run blocker. And I didn't see that. Right. It's, I, th- you guys pretty much nailed it. I think um, he's a very, I don't know. It was interesting to watch him because like you said, I, I knew that the run game was kind of where you're going to be wowed by Evan Neal. And there were plays, you know, where he just kind of leans on a guy and all of a sudden he's 10 yards down the line and out of the frame. For sure. yeah. But um, there a lot of what Dre said with the balance, um, especially yeah. in the run game, he will get way over his toes and he will just completely whiff. And I think a lot of that actually has to do with his size. It's kind of a double-edged sword being that big, but man, he, his leverage, he's not able to play with much leverage because of that size. You know, he's not, he's more so just a strength and bigger than you type of dude, which I mean, it's a great thing to have when you're six, seven, three fifty. especially as Hank said, only 20 years old, he's going to be 20 years old still on week nice. one, um, which is crazy. So that's kind of where, that's what makes this thing tough, right? Is you kind of have, you do have to factor that in. He's going to be 20 years old. He's already six, seven, three fifty. What's he going to look like in three years, man, when he actually gets to, you know, he's in an NFL strength program. He's lifting weights throughout the year. He doesn't have to worry about classes. Football is his job, and he can focus on, uh, you know, just being the best player he can, nutrition, all that. I think you're really going to see a, a much improved player, and that's the thing is mm-hmm. right now I would definitely take – if I have to play a game tomorrow, I'm taking Cross and Aquanu over Evan Neal. But, you know, two, three years down the line even, it, it'd be a lot closer, I think, which is what makes the scouting thing – interesting um i agree kind of with the anchor stuff he just kind of absorbs power uh when he has to but if someone can really get his, their hands inside and on his chest and just create some push yeah. it it doesn't look great um that's about all i have on him i think uh, you guys pretty much nailed it he's he's a good prospect he's not a, a great player right now but he's something that can really turn into something you can easily will- see him being the best tackle in the nfl like with, with the right. size that he has, all that stuff. Like, I just think that yeah. he has a bunch of upside. I, that's a good, that's a good point to kind of end the Neil discussion on, because I did wonder about that. I found myself watching him and being like, man, 
he's good. He's like good, good. But to be Trent Williams, he's like he's lacking the gear Iquanu has athletically, and Iquanu is lacking that size Trent Williams has, which tells you like what kind of otherworldly freak you need to be to be, to be the best tackle in the NFL. I will say. Maybe, maybe in three scouting reports on Evan Neal, which I think are really spot on, we're underrating his lateral mobility a little bit, which I do as much as like that anchor and being able to sink back is problematic um, or like not a great trait of his man, his lateral mobility is gangsta. And that's where I have more confidence in him being able to handle a guy like Vaughn especially since he is that aggressor, he'll try to get his hands on you first. And as I said, once you, he gets his hands on you, um, you're in trouble. And like, he sometimes looks smooth and good enough to where you forget he's six, seven and three fifty, And then you almost knock him more than you should for not moving well in space and stuff. And you're like, well, he's six, seven, three fifty. What do you expect? Right. Um, so like he, He'll just, he's so good, he'll deceive you into not realizing the knocks he has are just natural knocks because he's just a large human being and like he's that type of offensive tackle. And with the body composition stuff, like, like he that needs to change and it will change likely, but that it does, it doesn't turn him into like a project because he is a good tackle, but there is that piece of it where it's like, okay, how much fat can you take off and put the muscle on to replace it? And if you're very successful in doing that, then what is he athletically? Cause like I said, like, I like him in, I don't like him blocking in space. I like him getting out into space and, and right. I, I th- he has those traits. You could see him getting even better with that sort of stuff. So, yeah, I mean, you think his body's probably, sloppy. I, I thought it was a little sloppy. Uh, I'm curious what you guys offer on the bottom. I thought up top. Huh? Interesting. Yes. Yeah. Maybe I'll pull some pictures. I'm, I mean, he's not chiseled. Um, I mean, I'm not going to get into, you know, <laughs> the bodybuilding judge type stuff. But, uh, yeah, it's – he's there's two types of tackles. We'll kind of get into it, right? There's the – you know, these guys that are just like freaks. They're just built bigger than everyone. And then there's just like the, the big athletes, right? You think of Garrett Bowles, a guy who's just like – he wears 6'5 and like 300 really, really well. Um and it's he's not exactly that he's not you know he's not gonna wow you with his shirt off and stuff but he's just he's just absolutely massive uh anything else on these top three before we kind of go deeper no no i think they feel good about any of them at nine i'd say that right and it's surprising that cross for example getting mocked just outside the top 20 in a lot of these i yeah, yeah i agree it's weird who wants to go with their four I can go. Um, I, I put Kenyon Green there. And I know that, like, the tackle guard thing. Okay. Let's go. Me one. No, no way. But, yeah, I mean, it, it, first of all, the fact that he was playing all these positions, first of all, just so, props to him for that. What was Kenyon it? Green, it was Texas like, A&M. Texas A&M, we should 11, say that. 11th but, overall on uh, DJ's latest mock. Yeah. I mean, he was right guard one week, right tackle the next week, left tackle the week after that. And you're just like, well, <laughs> this is, first of all, the versatility is something that, that you love to see. Now, if, if he winds up being a first-round draft pick, you probably think, like, okay, 
here's your job, go do your job. Um, but in general, I mean, good zone blocker. And I think that's probably what separated him um, to me uh, is just the ability to, to, to create really big holes. Um, I think that the big concern, obviously, it makes sense if you're questioning guard or tackles, just the speed rushes around the outside. I do feel like he might be giving up a little window right there where the bendy guys might be able to just get under him and get sacks. But for the most part, and it didn't, it didn't hurt him. Um, and, and at least in the games that I saw, um, pass protecting. I like the way he looks like, I like the way he sets up. I like his anchor. I mean, he's a little bit squatty obviously for a tackle as well. Um, but if, if you throw that part out and if it doesn't work out, it's just so easy to see him being one of the best pass protecting guards in the NFL, just because you don't have to worry about those edges. Um, and again, the zone blocking stands out, maybe not quite the, the biggest, but pretty solidly built. Um, I believe he was a, a, a very highly rated recruit as well. Uh, yeah. So I don't know, just a lot of like there. For sure. Dre? He is also my fourth offensive tackle. He, um, I, he, rem, at, his left tackle tape reminds me a lot of Rashawn Slater. His hmm. left tackle tape against Will Anderson specifically reminds me a lot of Rashawn Slater against Chase Young. Um, it's actually, boy, what a gift that that one Alabama game he's playing at left tackle. Right. Because as Henry mentioned, he is all over the place. Um, so actually, I, and I couldn't even tell the guy they did have playing left tackle a lot. Number five, Jariah Johnson. If he transferred to Tennessee, if he declared for the draft, but he's an intriguing name to keep an eye on too in this tackle class. But anyways, Kenyon Green, Rashawn Slater-esque in some ways. Slater, nastier, better finisher, probably more polished technique IQ-wise, but very similar types. I mean, we're we're talking margins on a lot of the stuff I just mentioned. And honestly, not that far off Iquanu either. Um, body type, uh, deficiencies, which of course the biggest thing is going to be length. Um, it, again, I, I don't need to give the whole margin speech for the 20th time this year on this stupid pod. Um, no, it's the greatest pod I could. Um, and yeah, like again, it's Iquanu, it's same thing, like, uh, great against power. He handles power really well. Um, he handles length really well. Uh, and the floor is obviously extremely high because he projects as a very high-end guard. His length is going to be key. We need to see Aquanu and him what their length is going to be or we're just going to have to talk about them on the guard episode as well. Yeah, that's, that's kind of how I treated I treated Kenyon Green as interior line, so I didn't really dig too deep into him uh, for this one. I'll say, though, my number four, I had Trevor Penning, uh, offensive tackle out of Northern Iowa. Yep. Absolute massive, man. Excellent size. Um, I feel – I, I kind of compared him to Garrett Bowles um, at times just because he is that road grader um, and very, very raw in uh, pass protection. But, man, he's just so much bigger than Garrett Bowles. I don't know if I can even make that comparison anymore because uh, I'm trying to pull up the measurements here. Does anyone have him on hand for me? He's in the 6'8", 3-plus range. And I think that comparison 
us not being like, whoa, Jake, did you take your crazy pills today? Speaks to the type of athlete Penning is at his mammoth size. Yeah, so uh, uh, here it is. Senior Bowl measurements measured in at six foot six. Uh, 330 has 34 inch arms, uh, 34 and six eighths actually. So he's well over the threshold. Um, man, he is aggressive. He wants to break people out there. And again, going back to Iquanu a bit, there's kind of different types of aggressive because Trevor Penning's aggressive is it's a lot of like, he's trying to create leverage and literally it looks like he's just trying to break people. Whereas Iquanu is like in a fight with you. He's just going to punch you. Right. Um, so it's, that man, that nastiness is just, it's intriguing to work with, with at that size. Obviously he's very, very raw in some, in some areas too. Um, you know, balance wise and kind of anchor wise, it's not all there yet. I think he really needs to get NFL coaching and that's the appeal to him, right? He's this kind of moldable piece of clay uh, that you can, you see an insanely high ceiling with uh, the football intelligence and the kind of processing stuff on like blitzes and stunts was not really there. Um, you know, I'd like to see a bit more from that. It seems like he kind of missed some just, I don't want to say easy blocks, but there were some blocks that he should have made that just weren't being made. Um, the thing though, I mean, Northern Iowa, lower level competition. Um, yeah. I watched uh, him versus Southern Illinois and it was like, he's just bigger and stronger than a lot of these dudes. So it, I couldn't really take anything from that, but then you go to the Iowa state game and that's really all you have to go off of besides the senior bowl. Um, and he, just so mean uh, out in space though. Not the best uh, kind of like what Hank said about Neil. I feel like he gets himself there, uh, but it's just finishing the block that it's not, it's, it's just not happening a lot of time, a lot of whiffing, a lot of like head down type of stuff. Um, but I thought he has, I thought he has smooth enough feet to kind of develop all those areas as he goes along. Uh, just it's again, the ceiling thing with him is why I have him here. Yep. And he was, he was my number five too. Um, and it's for basically the reasons you said, like, and the, the big frustration was what you brought up, which is just like, yeah, he's just bigger than this guy. What do you expect to happen? But then you look at him and you're like, well, he is six, seven, three twenty-five, So he's, he's going to be bigger than a lot of guys in the NFL sometimes too. So you have that going for you. And, and in terms of like the, the not picking up, um, the, the stunts and those sorts of things, the, the difference in level of coaching between a, power five offensive line coach and mm -hmm. the offensive line coach that he probably had not to just like call out whoever Northern Iowa's offensive line coaches. It's, it's, it's a big gap. And I think that that's something that can be made up. Um, and if, if he had, had been told, and maybe this is comes from me covering the Colorado Buffaloes and hearing the stories about the offensive line coach who got fired halfway through the season and they had no idea what they were doing on stunts and were just totally lost and were frustrated and just getting cursed out every day because of it. And, it does make me think like, what if you just told that guy how to do it the right way? Is, is that all it would take to fix some of that stuff? And on top of that, so I, I also have Bernard Ryman. I was trying to decide between those two. Oh. The, the age, the age was the separator for me where Penning's only 22, which is pretty young considering he's coming from a small school. Typically those guys are pretty old. Like, like right. Ryman, who's 24. 24 and length. Length was a separator yeah. as well. Yeah. Ryman a little more natural on the anchor as well, a little more smoother, balanced feet, really intriguing. But the fact that Penning's even like in the realm, they're for these tall ass tackles, they are really impressive. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you guys broke them down perfectly, so I won't add to that. Separator um, for me, though, you, we can get into positions and everything. I feel pretty certain that if you put, you know, Penning against Will Anderson last season, he does not fare anywhere close to as well as Kenyon Green. Totally. I would not underestimate that one bit. Other thing, Trevor Penning, like what if he had gotten to not just be in like a power five strength program, but also just eat power five meals and the the (laughs) difference in like what you are offered. I'm, I'm, I think he might be one who you could pack on another 15 pounds of muscle. I, I think that he could look. Oh, like, sure. Who is the tackle for uh, the Broncos a couple years ago? Arizona guy. Um, just massive. He, he was old as hell. Um, as a fun Arizona game. State or Arizona? Uh, no, not, not school wise, but Cardinals. Oh, um, uh, he, yeah, 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 yeah. Jared, Jared. Valdir. Oh yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, but when you like looked at him and you're just like, holy shit, you're six foot eight, you're chiseled. I wonder if, if Penning could kind of get into that sort of yeah. conversation, probably not all the way there, but I think his body can still improve quite a bit. Sure. And not that it's good bad talk. now. Good talk on the top guys. We'll get to the other guys. Uh, we have another ad, right? Light sure shade. Aren't we lucky to get to talk about ripple? So what is Ripple? Ripple is a fast-acting dissolvable. It's clinically proven to hit two times faster than the leading gummy. Uh, It starts absorbing within 10 minutes, so you can depend on a consistent experience every time. I know that that's usually a complaint when it comes to eating your drugs, uh, that that sometimes the weed can be a little bit uh, up and down and whatever. This is a nice consistent with uh, Ripple. It makes uh, anything edible. It's flavorless. The, The powders are dissolvable. Um, it's actually a really cool product, um, and it's the most convenient way to get the fastest THC. You just pour it on your tongue if you want. Uh, awesome product. You can pick it up at Colorado's premier dispensary, Lightshade, where there's 10 and soon to be 11 on March 1st, convenient Denver Metro and Aurora locations. Uh, they're offering something from, for everyone, from the casual consumer to the connoisseur. They have a premium selection of cannabis concentrates, top shelf flour, edibles, tinctures, accessories, and more. And podcast listeners can get 25% off non-sale items with code DMVR. Go to lightshade.com, order something for pickup, use that code DMVR, or just go to a Lightshade location near you. Thank you, Hank. Um, On to number five. I had Ryman. I think Hank also said he had Ryman at five. Uh, Well, six. Uh, Six, yeah, that's right. We We merely, we, our our top threes were different. And then four, five, six, same. You just omitted Kenyon Green, which Mm -hmm. so did uh, Jimbo Fisher as his left tackle most. Hey, we got it. <laughs> if you're going to put me in a group with Jimbo Fisher, I guess I'll take it. Um, <laughs> is it an insult? Is it a compliment? No one knows. Anymore. I followed him around after that game for like five or 10 minutes. Just the smallest little guy. I couldn't believe it. Like he's just walking around. And he's got like the six people and there's like sheriffs all around him. He was like, what the hell is this guy? Um, um, on to Bernard Ryman. Um, he, I, he's like that Garrett Bowles build, man. He wears six, seven, three Oh five. He's a, former tight end um, turned left tackle. And he just looks like he's not, he's definitely not the Iquanmu or the Evan Neal body type. He's very different. Um, Hank mentioned the age. I think that has to be a big factor too, because you factor in the frame and the age. I don't know how much better it 
Hopkins from here on out. I mean, of course, he's going to get into an NFL program, so it should. Uh, he shows good ability to bend. Um, he's quick in his kick step. Yeah. He's just – it's just not all there yet. The, the leverage uh, is not all there. Um, the anchor is not something that I thought really stood out at all. Um, but he's got good confidence and ability moving up to the second level. I like how he blocks in space. Um, he he does how to use know how to use leverage um, in terms of like recovering. I think that's one of his best traits is being able to get out of this uh, get out of positions that put him at a disadvantage. Um, he's always playing square and under control. Uh, he doesn't really show some nastiness, but he, uh, he has a little bit of power. Again, kind of, I wouldn't really use that word to describe his game, though. Um, it's just good enough, I think, in the run game. Any other thoughts on Bernard Ryman? It sounds like you see a bigger gap between Penning and Ryman than Hank and I. I do. I think that my top four guys, I think, are dudes that you could really develop into what I see when I rank these tackles as purely left tackle. Um, Ryman, I don't necessarily see purely as a left tackle. I mean, he yeah. could be a guy that, you know, he could be a guy like a uh, Lane Johnson, a guy that kind of, yep. you know, from that same area that converted from a tight end was a little bit of a smaller tackle, but really yes. kind of grew into it and grew into the position as a whole. Um, I just, I'd take the bet on the bigger guys, frankly. Interesting. Because to me, I, I have four first round grades and that's where Kenyon Green kind of separates himself because, you know, the regardless as a guard or tackle, it's a first round grade for me, but it's a, it's a lower first round grade than the top three guys who we talked about. And the Penning, Grayman, end of first, beginning of the second in that range, always a tier that's very intriguing because it's some super high upside prospects. Um uh, see, I, I saw a little more finishing from Raymond. I think I like the power a little more. And I think I might have some concerns that maybe Penning's a better right tackle as well, you know, um, mm-hmm. that that Lane Johnson might just be his best comp as well. Um, right. So intriguing. But I think I think we covered both pretty well. I don't think you're off on the scouting report. I just see his finishing ability to handle power, anchor ticking up a little more so than you did from your eval um do Hank, do you... the age is a big separator I, I, that that's what stands sure, out to me, sure. where it's like he's 24 it, and i mean i think that's probably the cutoff is um ryman in terms of starting tackles day one where it's like if, if you have him you've got to play him um cool. partly because he is 24 and it's like okay you're gonna sit through age 24 season and now you become a starter age 25, you learn on the job age 26. Now, now you're starting to get into being a good tackle. And th- just this timeline is not something that I necessarily love. Um, but to me, it's most of the gap between Penning and Ryman does just come from the fact that uh, Penning is younger. And then on top of that, coming from a smaller school, I think that there's a lot more that you can clean up quickly, even if he is a, a little raw. I mean, those are especially since they're such similar profiles, like big, raw, small school offensive tackles might project better at right tackle, more of that longer former tight end build on both of these guys that filled out their shit. Penning's big, 330's big. Um, you know, I'm I'm with you. I, I disagree though, just like you wouldn't start Raymond day one, you would not want to start penning day one. Oh, would no, you? no, no, no. Yeah. That's terrifying. Yeah. yeah. 
I, it's just so hard which, to take him in the first round, though, if you're not gonna not gonna play him. And, and again, like makes, if, if he's 24 and he can't play right now, then what are you? It, it's not the Bulls' pick. At least it's not the Bulls' pick because that one was uh, age issues to the absolute extreme. Yeah, I mean, look to me, it's not about can we start him week one. It's can we pay him 10 mil a season year five once that contract is up, you know, because he's a top 10 guy at his position. Right. Which makes the Trevor Penning, not to go back to the mock again from DJ, but the Trevor Penning at six overall, when you don't really know if you have an immediate day one starter just makes it even more kind of puzzling. Okay. So we got about 10 minutes left. Who else do you guys like day two, day three on? Who are the guys that you're going to put near the back end of your big board here? Um, you guys start, and I'll, uh, I'll fill in the gaps. I'll throw Sean sure. Ryan um, out there from UCLA. He was a fun one to watch. He's another guy who I think was a pretty highly rated recruit. Um, I actually, I never went back and looked at what he's listed at size-wise, but he is pretty squatty out there. Like, Six five. 320 is what I had. That's from the school, I think, though. So I don't know. How yeah, I wonder if is. it's actually like six four, or like six six three, and seven eighths, one of those. Because he does, right. he maybe he just plays super low, and that's what it is. Um, but the the feet, how quick his feet are, like it's crazy. Yeah, He's nice. flying around out there, and that's why I mean, again, like he, he might wind up being a guard. And if he's a guard, then that, that build makes a little bit more sense. The, the ability to pull makes a little more sense for that reason. Like, is he necessarily a, a fit with the Broncos? And eh, maybe, maybe not. But I do I do like a lot of what I see there. Um, let me just get back this note, make sure I'm not missing anything. Fear quick. Oh, very strong. Obviously, that comes with just being stout. Um, yeah, that mostly covers it. If you he... – go ahead, Jake. Oh, I was just going to say, he. I don't know if the link's quite there with him. That was my yeah. hang-up. And, yeah. and so I kind of saw him as a guard. Yeah, yeah totally. Uh, late first-round buzz earlier in the season when UCLA was kind of kicking ass with that power running game and kind of figuring things out, ranked in the top 20, what have you, um, settled down a little. And, yeah, there's that conversation. But, you know, zone scheme, okay, we can start talking about him at tackle a little more for sure. Um Go I've got, I've got Braxton Jones out of Southern Utah. Um, did you guys watch this guy? I didn't, I watch. didn't get into him yet. No, tell us all, everything. So, man, I, of course, you turn on the tape. It's Southern Utah, which you know it is what it is, man. Um, I watched. Uh, sorry, not quite prepared here. Let me get the games that he. Uh, so I saw him versus San Jose State and versus Arizona State, which. For a guy at Southern Utah, that's pretty good competition. Um, and I thought he he looked the bill. I mean, he fit in playing against both those teams. He his hands too, man. He's got vice grips for hands. Thirty six inch arms, biggest arms measured at the Senior that's Bowl. Crazy. I know that's not the end all be all, um, wow. but I thought that was very intriguing. Um, like I said, vice grips for hands. It, it felt like to me once he got his hands on you, you weren't going anywhere. Uh, very smooth oh, mover. I thought under control. What's that? You can reach out like that. That's got to be so easy, too. Exactly. So, I mean, I went and actually looked at the list of guys who had like 35, 36 inch arms, and it's it's a very mixed bag. So, I, I, it sure. doesn't really mean anything. <laughs> right. Um, 
plays with good leverage. He's six, seven, three, or sorry, this is the wrong number. Six, five, three Oh five. But he looks big at that number. So uh, I'm, what did the senior bowl have him at? They had him at six, five, three Oh six. So he just wears it. Well, uh, oh. a guy that I'm very intrigued by. Yeah. I think, especially when you're talking about later round guys, it's like, just, just give a reason to draft him and 36 inch arms is a, is a reason to draft somebody. And I think, especially for the FCS guys, that can be the challenging part is like, what, what, what is your strength? Um, a guy that maybe you guys did watch Andrew Stober though, out of Michigan, I thought was yep. a fun watch. Um, you know, he's not going to blow you away physically. He's not the top prospect that a lot of these guys are that we talked about. He's just a good sound tackle. I think he can contribute in the run game. He does have an element of power. Um, I like his, his mental side of the game. He really processes stunts um, and is able to process a lot of moving parts really quickly. Um, go ahead. Both look solid to me. Stauber is a guy I, I feel good about, especially if you could get him in day three. I've seen a lot of kind of Big Ten tackles. Look, the traits might not have you uh, intrigued, but then they turn out to be really solid pros. So, well, who's um, the the Michigan guy a couple years ago that uh, the Patriots drafted the right tackle? Um, Michael Onwenu. Yep. 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 I was thinking of uh, Haverstein, who came out of oh god, mm-hmm. Indiana. Uh, like many years back now. Um, yeah, he's a solid pro. I like him kind of like I like Sean Ryan. Um, I'm just going to rattle off my two second round grades are Jamari Salier, the left mm-hmm. tackle out of Georgia, who some see as guard. You see that? That's probably where I yeah. um, stand out most is a lot of the guard guys I'm just putting at tackle until proven otherwise. Measurements were good enough at the combine. And, man, you watch that Georgia tape at times, and there are moments where I think to myself, why draft Iquanu at 9 where you can get Salier at 40? Now, the senior bowl wasn't that great, but he's not built to be in one-on-one pass-blocking drills at the senior bowl. That's not his game. If He's an Iquanu type, right? Um but the floor is high. I think he's an ass kicker. I think he can do a lot and be a tone setter for you. And I actually think he's got a lot of tools. Abraham Lucas, a guy who's been on my radar for years, um, really, really solid senior bowl, really good length, solid pass protector, going to handle strength well as well. So um, just like a safe dude, left or right, um, can't go wrong with either of those. I didn't watch Sally just because I was thinking of him as a, as a guard. Um, but I do really, really, really like him, even though I haven't gone back and double-checked that. To go back to Lucas real quick, I thought he battled uh, KT very well. He held his own against him. Um, you could kind of see the difference in traits, though. I think KT kind of overpowered him in terms of, well, power and quickness at times. Um, but otherwise, it was a very good battle. Yeah, definitely. Former defensive end, too. Um, I'm not sure if he ever played defensive end at Washington state. They might've flipped him right away, but I do know that he was that sort of athlete. And because of that, you wonder if there's still that's, some growth. That's a big boy. Um, speaking of converted or guard tackle debates, I was really, and we didn't get into this on DJ mock Tyler Smith out of Tulsa could not yeah. believe he was in there. Um, I put his tape on, 
strong arms. He might have long arms too. He finishes dudes. He's got some nastiness to him. He's an athlete for sure. Man, do I have some length concerns. Man, do I have like uh, ability to handle power. He feels more like a zone blocking guard to me than a first round left tackle. But they had one hell of a schedule. They he faced the Houston front, which was like mm-hmm. badass. Um, Cincinnati, Oklahoma State, and there might be an even bigger blue blood than all of those. So I just watched him in against Houston. I haven't been able to dig in yet. Maybe in the guard episode I can talk about him more. But really shocked with where he was ranked. They played um, Ohio State too. Ohio State. There you go. And intrigued to just jump in and watch him against some of this high-end competition because this was not the first time he was put on my radar, but the two times I've kind of checked him out, it's like, what am I missing? This dude looks like a third-round guard to me, not a first-round left tackle. Um, I, I said it when we talked senior bowl, but Chris Paul, the tackle um, yes. and the guard for them, he was another guy that really intrigued me there. I thought he showed out nicely. Um, so both those Tulsa guys are dudes that I would definitely throw on the board um, yeah. kind of edge of day two, day three. Anything else before we get out of here, boys? Yeah, I'll throw uh, – uh, we haven't hit Darian Kennard yet uh, from Kentucky. That's yeah. just a huge man. That's like uh, – yeah. he reminds me of like just like a heavyweight UFC fighter or just like he's just out there just like brawling with people. And because of that, like the little grabby can get his arm wrapped around guys, that sort of stuff but just so big, so strong. And like, not, I mean, obviously a good football player too. It's not like he's out there just doing nonsense, but I do think that like he was poorly coached or didn't respond to coach something like that, because there were just some things that didn't line up, but you, you coach some of that out of him. It's just, he stands out when you watch him. And I think that that's, that's always fun with offensive linemen. When you get somebody just like, you are a massive house of a man and you are strong and you are mean and you look like you should be in the octagon if you can coach him up to just be a, a good right tackle, I think he could be, he could be a freak. And the other one I have uh, Nick Petit Frere from, uh, from Ohio state. Uh, he was another one. I think he was the number one tackle in the recruiting class, whatever, three years ago. Uh, but, but I, I think three years starter as well um, at left tackle, maybe only two. I thought it was three. Uh, he was winning like team MVP awards for games like he was player of the game at Ohio state as a tackle. So that kind of just goes to show what they think of him. Um, big, big open holes uh, in the running game in particular, where he's just like collapsing the whole line when they're running zone stuff, starting on the left tackle and just like poof, the entire defensive line is starting where the center was initially. And his running backs flying free behind him. Um, got beat up a little bit by Aiden Hutchinson, but when we're talking about second, third, fourth round guys, whatever, Right. You can't, you can't ask him to be stopping Aiden Hutchinson. Yeah. I'm with you. He was intriguing. I, again, like you said, I liked his power. I thought that was his best trait. He was really able to kind of wash down the line. Uh, Dre, anything final here? Uh, Petit Friere, the, the scouting report for me reads very much like he's a guy who, if I was seeing him in a camp, he totally would be the number one recruit in the country. Um, lower body agility and flexibility, massive concerns and i hate that he never really had to play hand in the ground i just don't see mm-hmm. the knee bend at all um and in pass pro that's a real concern 
aside from that though, power, size, um, feet, I don't think are bad length. Um, you know, and in the modern NFL, how long do you have to pass pro for? True. Before and, shit right. breaks down. He's one of those young guys too. And then yeah. like you said, like he's, he's also one where it's like Von Miller, does he just torch him around the edge? Like potentially. Sure. Yeah. Is it Rashid Walker left tackle out of Penn state? Yep. Mm-hmm. Boxy, but like the athleticism, like all the traits aside from the length. Um, so intriguing. I mean, you're, you're 10 to 12 deep with guys who you can draft, try at tackle left or right for a couple of years. And at worst, they've got a decent fallback plan as a guard. That is one thing that scares me about Penning and Raymond. I'm not sure I see much guard translation for either of those guys. Right. Um, but yeah, that, that kind of wraps it right there. So follow a layout real quick. I feel like we, yeah. we've got to at least bring him up. Dan you mention him. from Minnesota, like six foot 10, whatever, 400 pounds. Yeah. Um, I mean, he basically does what you expect, maybe a little bit more mobile than you expect, but I came into it knowing that he was kind of an athlete. Downhill um, in space, right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But again, just like a big people mover. You wonder maybe just a little bit about the, the pure speed edge rushers. Like he's, he's probably a right tackle, not a left tackle. Um, but again, like, second third round that's a that'd be that'd be a fun pick his senior bowl kind of worried me a bit um he's very interesting though we'll see all guys we'll uh go ahead dre every time i try to buy into filele i i just can't man yeah it's tough to completely buy in on him he's a non-football football athlete right he's gone the (laughs) other way though he's not the five six hundred and sixty five pound guy with track speed He's just too big. Like Von Miller can just like go in circles around him. Like your dog at home who gets too excited when you come like (laughs) uh, he just doesn't have the bend for, for the elites of the elites. I don't know how it's going to work, man. He, yeah. And, and just far too big to play guard too, I think. So it's, it's just one of those things where exactly does he fit in? It does kind of feel all right, guys. You see the traits and you're just like, oh, yeah. I mean, but then it's just like, yeah, it doesn't really work. This is still football at the end of the day. We do have a question. Um, it oh, might be let's one get to it. It's okay. Do we, want- we can't answer it, but let me just remind you guys. It's a, it's a Caleb Ellaby question. Can the Broncos develop Caleb Ellaby? I don't think any of us have strong takes right now, but uh, come back next week with Caleb Ellaby thoughts. Yes, we have a big week coming up next week. Um, You'll see a lot from us uh, moving forward here. Uh, thank you, Dre. Thank you, Henry. Uh, we missed you, Justin. Uh, good talking the big guys with you all. Thank you, DraftKings, for presenting the show. We will talk to you all next week. Take care.